Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, and so the first few minutes of this preach are missing. The beginning of the audio is also poor quality, but it does improve after the first minute. Say to the town of Judea, is your God. And then he goes on to describe God. Now when I'm in hopelessness, what I want God to do is say, Rachel, I see you. This is what I'm going to do in your life to make it better. But yes, no, 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 no. That is what God does. God sent Isaiah to say, here is your God. And describe God. And I was thinking about this. Because I think Sometimes our God is completely constructed of our experience of him. So I'm like, all right, so God is, and then I think through my life and think God is, uh, he sometimes is around at night. He, he did give me that parking space that one time. Um, and we begin to sort of list our experience of the God that we know, and God in our head gets smaller and smaller. And then we hear each other's stories. And we're like, wait a minute, you know, God's the God who helped you with that dentist appointment. Okay. And we begin to construct our view of God based on the experiences of ourselves and the people around us. And we begin to reduce the understanding of the glory of God based on what we've experienced in our tiny lifetime. And then we wonder why we're still stuck in hopelessness and despair. God's solution to people being in hopelessness and despair is to not just come alongside and say, oh, let me just talk to you about your thing. God says, the way to cope with this is to actually see me, not based on what you think I am, but on who I actually am. And so then he describes it. And I find this absolutely um encouraging, actually, because um, he says, here is your God. And he goes on and on and on. And it goes all around in Isaiah 40. We love it. Uh, And it says, it's beautiful poetry. And I'm going to read you some, but it goes around. So he generally talks about three things about God. He talks about the nature, just God in nature and the power of God that we see in the world and the universe around us. He talks about the nations And because I am not a preacher, I am not going to end with another N. No, no, no. I know. It was feeling like it because it was nature and then it was nations, but it's not. Um, It's in the the understanding and the mind of God. And I'm going to read you some of these things because I think it's so important that we begin to reorient ourselves to who God actually is beyond our experience and our thoughts of him. So first, not first, but he talks about this idea of God, because you can't really describe God. I did make, I spent like three hours making a PowerPoint of nature, and I thought this is really ridiculous to be like, look how amazing God is based on my PowerPoint pictures. Um, And the description is so that you can use your imagination. I'm going to let you use your imagination on this stuff. Um, Bless you. Uh, Right. I got distracted. That was a huge swing. I've lost it. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, 
Um, verse 12, 40 verse 12. He's trying to describe God. And he says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And you think about the world and the amount of water that is on this planet. You ever been to the beach and you think this is unending? You can get in a boat and, and sail for weeks on one ocean and it's all around. And he measures it in the hollow of his hand. I need somebody to help me. Can someone come help me? Yes. Alanya, come here. Can someone help me? I love these illustrations in scripture because I, I never think about them until I actually have to do them. I'm a very touchy person. Can you give me one hand? Okay. I'm going to pour water into it. I have, I, have, I have support. I have support. Okay, here we go. Okay. Let's see how much we think we can take. Whoop. Right. We stopped at a tablespoon. A tablespoon, Melania, if I spoke in scriptural terms, Melania can hold a tablespoon in the hollow of her hand. It's leaking out of your hand. God has less leaky hands. Uh, then Melania, here, you can wipe it up. There you go. And yet, Isaiah describes God as being able to hold all the oceans of the planet, all the water in the universe, thank you, Melania, in the hollow of his one hand. Well done, Melani. She, she held it. She, unfortunately, cannot be compared to God. Every time I wash my hands after I read that, I look at it and I go, God is bigger than I sometimes give him credit for. <laughs> Scripture is full of these little illustrations that make us think. The rest of verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand with the breath of his hand, Hold up your hand, the breadth of your hand. Mine's eight inches. I measured it. The breadth of his hand marked off the heavens. If you know physics, you know the known universe is pretty vast. And the description we have in Scripture is that God goes, Mah. He's not just the guy who gives me parking spaces. <laughs> he can measure the heavens with the breadth of his hand. It gives me a, another illustration. Verse 22. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. I love looking at those images of the, of the earth from the moon. And you're like, wow, the earth is so small. And then I think of this little verse of just God just sitting enthroned on top of it. And how small we are. In verse 26, he says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these billions and billions and billions of stars? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. We have really unimaginative names for stars. Have you seen them? They're like B4895. Like that is terrible names. But God has called each star by name. The ones whose lights are still coming towards us long after they've been destroyed. He calls each one. This is a God who is powerful and huge. And they use this illustration in nature. In Isaiah 40, he begins to say, this is your God and talks about nations. Now, um, I love how he talks about nations. 
in verses 6 to 8, he starts off with just talking about people. And I've always heard this verse, and I know it's often in our circles, we see this verse as sort of negative, and I see it as a beautiful affirmation. It's verses 6, 7, and 8. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men, which means all people, all people are like grass. Which is always like, what a weird analogy. All people are like grass. And their glory is like the flowers of the fields. And then you're like, oh, I feel so affirmed. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. He goes on to talk about how nations, in verse 15, surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. Which I also want to say, that's where that phrase came from. Uh, all the na- Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. In verses 23 and 24, he says he brings the princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground that he blows on them, and they wither, and the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. The nations of the world, I get really intimidated by Russia. I was in Finland speaking at a conference, and Russia was three hours that way, and all the Finnish people when I was there, we were running drills of bunkers because Russia started threatening it, and I was like, this is, like, scary, like, This is scary. How do we begin to think about these huge nations? And how do we begin to even pray about this stuff? And scripture tells us, you know, God, who holds like all the waters of the world in the palm of his hand and can take the known universe and look at it from the breath of his hand. And, uh, you know, that God, all these nations are insignificant and unpowerful compared to the understanding of who he is. I have this chart. I bought for home education in my house. Look how cool it is. It is all of the history of the world on one chart. And you can see, I know, it's amazing. And I am going to walk it around because it's so cool. You can spend hours looking at this. This is according to geographic location. And this is according to timeline. And that is the entire history of people. Yep. You know where we are? We're like... This tiny sliver over here. And that's the massive kingdoms. There's these huge kingdoms of the entire world. The entire history of the world is here. And I am one person and one tiny bit of it. And God has been here the entire time, has been watching. Look how I love these big ones, like the Vikings. They take up like this much space. And they're like, we're like, the Vikings. And they're these minor, tiny, tiny things. The God of the universe who holds things in his hands, to whom the nations are nothing because he was here a long time before this and will be here a long time after this. And there is nothing that he cannot influence, change, intervene in. There is so small. It's so cool, isn't it? What do the colors mean? I know. Look, I'm going to give you a little educational chart. Okay. So each of the blobs is a different empire of the world. The up and down is of the different continents. And this is the timelines. So you'll be able to see a, a continent. You'll be able to see a, um, an empire grow and expand and take up more space and then grow and disappear and poof out of existence. Because you know what? 
The nations rise and fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Seriously, come look at it afterwards because it's fascinating. Um, I'm going to leave it over here on the piano. I've spent hours just, just, just dwelling on how, how much every time you think that there is a, a nation state, an empire, a kingdom that is stronger, that can take over the world. They then disappear out of nothingness because the only thing that stands is a God above it all. And then Isaiah talks about the mind of God. In verse 13, who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? I like how he gets sarcastic. I really do. Um, Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Nobody. God is the, the, the originator of all things. No one can understand the mind of God, the complexity, the creativity. I'm fascinated. My husband is doing a PhD in physics. I don't understand what he's talking about most of the time. And I watch him do maths for like five pages, five pages of maths, trying to work out something. And we were talking about something the other day. And he was saying, all of the history of science is an exploration of the complexity of God's creation. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because God invented maths. He invented physics. And all of our scientific inquiry is understanding and exploring the complexity and beauty of the God who designs. That's so cool that all of science is understanding the mind of God. I cannot understand it, but I watch us toil and try and discover in this beautiful, never-ending 5,000 years from now, we will still not be able to understand a little bit of the complexity of, of the mind of God, his choices, his beauty, nature, nations, the mind of God. When we think about all these things, we begin to see this, this is our God. I am this little grass that has the glory of a flower and the God who stands forever brings us hope and beauty and joy. It lifts our eyes. We stop looking at the thing that frustrates me right now, the thorn in the flesh, the thing that I'm grieving over right now, and we look at the God who stands that isn't dependent on my experience of him, where my praise is not built on what I'm experiencing right now. Sometimes I find that if my understanding of God is based on my experience of him, then I only worship out of how I'm feeling about him right now. But when I learn to look at the God who is, then my worship is based on that. Does that make sense? So what I want us to do, this is not the ministry time, but what I want us to do is add to this, because sometimes what I find is we become so dependent on, on, on the description of Scripture that we forget the discipline of the heart of the Scripture that is there. And so this Scripture is saying, this is what I see in God. This is how God describes himself. He describes himself in nature. He describes himself over the nations. He describes himself in the complexity of the mind of God. And if we can begin to look around and go, wow, God, you, I see you, I see you, I see you in daily life, we begin to learn to walk with our eyes up at God instead of on the path of our complex lives on the ground. And it changes our perspective.
It doesn't have to be flowery. You don't have to speak in poems. All you need to do is speak authentically. And so what I'm going to do is have everybody get a piece of paper. Yes, we're going to hand them out. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about one thing that blows your mind about who God is in terms of nature, things that you look around and say, he is the God who, or in terms of nations, if you want to speak something over, he is the God who, and you can speak specifically, he is the God who can get into the dreams of Vladimir Putin, or you want to say he is the God who um, stands and um, puts his hand, whatever you want to say, you can say it around for nations, or you can say it about the complex, beautiful mind of God that we cannot understand. But I want you to say it in your own words. What we're going to do is we're going to bring them up and we're going to speak it out. Our collective, genuine worship of the God who is. And then I want to read you the final bit of Isaiah 40. Because it's the, it's the punchline at the end that we're headed for. So we're going to do that. I also want to encourage you. You can draw a picture if you want. You don't have to participate if you don't want. But please say it in your own words. I was um, flying to Denmark, and uh, I'm one of those um, cloud people. You know, the people who are like, I book window seats, and no, I will not change for your comfort. Pretty cool. Um, and so uh, I'm like, I put my face up against the window. I love it. Clouds are amazing. And uh, I, was, I was there, and I was just like, God, you're so amazing. I just love how you make the clouds. And I am just stunned at the beauty of the tops of clouds. Like for thousands of years, people didn't know what the tops of clouds look like. And I get to see it. And I was so excited. And I was just telling God how awesome he was. And, uh, and then I thought, oh, I, I, should, I should praise him. And so I stopped talking to God and went, oh, Father, Lord of all clouds. And God interrupted me and said, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm praising you with my fancy words. And he was like, why? You were praising me before with your words. I prefer it. And I'm like, okay. So I just went back to like, oh, it's so cool. And I love it. Uh, God prefers your authentic voice. If your authentic voice is poetry, do it. If your authentic voice is not poetry, do it. Make sense? You know what you're supposed to do? Think of one thing that blows your mind. It could be nature. It could be nations. It could be mind of God. I want you to write it down. Draw it. We're going to bring it up here. And we're going to... Yes, you can hand it out to other people. All right. Now, I want you to bring me up here. Put it here if you wrote a nature one. Bring it here if you wrote a nation's one. And bring it here if you wrote me a mind of God is awesome one. Ready, steady, go. Bring it. All right. When you reach hopelessness and despair, absolutely pull Isaiah 40 out and read it because it will lift your eyes up to the God we know. But the habit of a lifetime is to learn to lift our eyes and declare his goodness and who he is in our ordinary everyday lives. So yes, root yourself in scripture. Yes, declare it. But what I love about a community of people whoop, is because is we get to gather around And speak. You just amaze me, Father. Oh, how you just flurry stars into space, flung stars into space. You blow my head with the beauty of the sky, the moon, the sun, the clouds that roll around the sky. Wow. And this one says Spider-Man. 
And you know what? To me, the creativity of a God, to me, all creativity is rooted in the, the character of God. And yeah, anyone here grateful for Spider-Man? Yeah? <laughs> how trees produce air, the mechanism of how we get to breathe and live on this planet, the creator of all we can ever dream of, God's diversity in nature, a picture of beautiful rivers. Oh, I feel never closer to God than when I'm sitting by running water. God knowing the combined numbers of the hairs on all our heads, and I'll also know how many we'll have tomorrow. He created us. I'm amazed at the way the sun rises and sets and gives us heat and light day after day from the beginning of time till the end. Can you feel yourself seeing the God? He is the God who is accessible and meets everyone where there are, no matter their needs or ability. He's the God who rules over every person who has ever lived. People around the world are so different, but all originate from one God. You are the God who loves greater than the universe you created. You are the God of awesome power, the creator of the infinite universe, and you are perfect love. All the books in the world exploring the universe and people God has made, the infinite creativity of God's mind. You are the God who weaves and connects all of our life's courses together. We meet who we are supposed to meet and go where we are supposed to go. He orchestrates it all together. Here is our God. Do you feel it? He lifts our eyes to this, this God who does all these things. And then we come to the end of this mind-blowing verse, and he says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And we're like, yes. And then the punch to this whole thing is this. He gives strength to the weary. This God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here is our God. And when we look at this God, that's when the strength comes. That's when the, the sure foots and being able to soar on wings like eagles, that is the hope that renews our strength. So if you're feeling weary, like me, look up. Here is your God who promises to walk alongside of you and walk alongside you as a shepherd and sing over you as you sleep and love you beyond anything you can imagine and give you strength. In your life. Here is our God. So I just want to pray for us. And then I'm going to. God, I thank you. Not for what you do for us, but for who you are. 
You are the God beyond anything that we could imagine or dream, who was here before the beginning of time and will be beyond the end of anything we can imagine. You are holy and mighty and wonderful and beyond understanding. And we adore you. And thank you that as big and wonderful as you are, your love exists in every part of you for us. We worship you. Lift our eyes, God, that we may see you in our mundane, that our days may be filled with hope and strength in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 